All right, welcome back to the channel today, ladies and gentlemen. And we've got some pretty crazy news going on. We're gonna talk about a lot of geopolitics in today's video. But I do find it very strange that today on the 1st of June, as I record this, we have the European leaders meeting in Moldova, which is the country that borders Ukraine. So we have the European leaders meeting there, but at the same time we have the BRICS countries or their representatives, it's not the leaders of the countries, meeting today at the same time in South Africa. And what's really going on at the moment, we've talked about this before, is the de-dollarization of the world. So it's the BRICS nations aligning. And remember, they're very different. So a couple of points. NATO and Europe, but specifically NATO, is a military alliance and BRICS is more of a trade alliance. They're not a military alliance at this stage, but I do think that is the next most obvious transition that they are going to make into a, a military alliance later. And I've seen all these videos at the moment talking about how, you know, there'll be this big World War III and everything else. And I'm not saying that won't happen, but if you actually look at the funding and you look at the military strength and everything else, it would be an absolute worst case scenario if something like that ever happened. So I know a lot of these channels keep saying this on a daily basis that, you know, tomorrow World War Three is going to start and all this sort of stuff. That would be an absolute humanitarian disaster, just to let you know that everything would collapse. The global economy would collapse. The supply chain, the food supply chain, everything would pretty much collapse overnight. So I do think these videos, because I keep getting asked about this every day, and people ask me the same question, do I think this is gonna happen? Um, I think a lot of these videos are, are quite alarmist in you know what they are putting out there. I think what's more likely to occur is more a case of pockets of, of conflict taking place. But there is one key thing, and I'm gonna talk about it when we go onto the shared screen, is NATO's Article 5. Now, this is a really worrying development that's going on and being discussed at the moment. So, it, it, again, it's funny. BRICS is meeting today to discuss upcoming things that's going to take place. A lot of countries actually joining the membership. A lot have already applied. We'll talk about those countries today. But they're really focused on trade, de-dollarization, and the growth of their, their countries. Whereas you look at the European meeting today and it's pretty much taken up by Zelensky, you know, doing his thing. And then the secondary topic is climate change and, and energy. So you can kind of see where this is leading towards without me going too much into it. I think you can see the writing on the wall here. But even if you think of the statistics around BRICS versus um, NATO, or let, let's just call it the West for now, BRICS was only doing about two and a half trillion dollars of trade between themselves in 2010. Now you fast forward that to the last accounts we have of 2021, that was about four and a half trillion. So it is absolutely huge. And I think as we go into, well, the rest of this year, 2023 and into 24, that accounting will increase significantly. I wouldn't be surprised if it's nearer 
five, five and a half, even it could be six trillion dollars of trade. And we'll come on to a couple of articles now, actually, just to give context to this. Oh, and before I forget, thank you so much for so many of you uh, taking advantage of the sale price of my finance course, which is below in the description. And that will continue until Sunday. So thank you for that. So this is what we have at the moment then. BRICS ministers meet in push to establish group as counterweight to the West. So as you can see, it is not the leaders of the country. These are all representatives or foreign ministers to be more specific. Now you'll notice that the Western media is using the word controversial all the way through, that the summit, which is the main summit in August, is controversial. So this is taking place in Cape Town today. Foreign ministers from the BRICS countries are meeting in South Africa as the five blocks seek to forge itself into a counterweight to Western geopolitical dominance. Now, yes, I think that is quite highly possible, but I honestly think they are more focused at this point on trade than they are on geopolitical dominance. The talks are a prelude to an August summit in Joburg that's already created, again, keyword controversy because of the possible attendance of Russian President Putin, the target of an international criminal court arrest warrant. Now, this is really, really interesting because it puts South Africa in between a rock and a hard place here. No agenda has been made public, but analysts said discussions would aim to deepen ties among the existing members and consider an expansion to the group. And I think that's highly likely to occur because just remember what I've said a few times before, the West plays a very different strategy to the East, or we could say to the BRICS countries. So you think of what we are seeing in terms of tactics right now, and we're seeing more sort of Machiavellian, I would say, if you've read the book, The Prince, this is to win at all costs, the end justifies the means, etc. It's a very, very sort of dominant, aggressive way of leadership. And we've been seeing that in some Western countries over the last two or three years. And just to be clear, I'm not cr being critical of the West because most of us live in the West. I'm just saying that this is what my experience is what I've seen. Now, they tend to play a very short-term game as well. So the, you know, you think of the, the leaders and the president and the prime ministers and all these people, their aim is short-term because they want to stay in power and get a second term, etc. Now, you look across to the East and I think they're playing a very different political game. And we can reference the book like Sun Tzu's The Art of War. And you can see that it's all about playing this long-term strategy, this long-term game. And that's what I'm really seeing at the moment from the East, especially China. I don't think that they're playing the game to win this decade, maybe even not next decade. This is a long-term strategy that even if some of these leaders don't see it out in their time, then their children or their children's children will see it. And we are seeing this pendulum swing and we've got dozens of history books that have been written about how this swing occurs and the tactics that go along with it. So that is what I'm seeing at the moment in terms of the two alliances and how they are operating. Now, these are some of the countries that we know are looking to join. We have Venezuela, Argentina, Iran, Algeria, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE. But this is actually just a few of these countries. There are a lot more. 
And here's a key line that I've highlighted. If they can bring in the oil producer countries, that will be key given the petrodollar system. Yeah, because if you control the energy, you control everything. Now, this is what's gonna cause the controversy. And I think it was probably planned in this way as well, why the ICC actually put that arrest warrant out, because they knew that the meeting would take place in Joburg and that Putin would be there. But it says here, South Africa's position is unclear. Pretoria said it will honor its obligations under its ICC membership, but the government is still weighing the possibility of hosting Putin or even moving the summit to China. So this is where the European leaders are meeting at the moment. It is in Moldova, which is, if we bring up the maps here, you can see Moldova is right in this region here, bordering Ukraine. And of course, this is this is Russia. And at the same time, we've just had this article come out in the last hour. NATO squabbles over speedy accession of Ukraine as a decisive summit looms. Now, I want to bring your attention to something absolutely crucial and possibly the most important thing of this video. They say we are moving. Allies agree that Ukraine will become a member. This is a member of NATO. Now, let me tell you why this could be so worrying after my sort of opening comments on war. And we'll get to this in a moment, but it involves NATO's Article 5. While Kiev and its closest allies in Eastern Europe call for concrete steps to bring Ukraine closer to membership, Western governments, such as the United States and Germany, are wary of any move that might take the alliance closer to war with Russia. Now, again, key thing here, because what do we keep seeing? We keep seeing all of these weapons being sent to Ukraine, the USA being the one that's sending the most. And I've said before that I really don't think that this is about starting a big war with Russia, a big proxy war. I think it's about money, it's about the testing of weapons, it's about weakening Russia as well. But then you look at some of the equipment and the US is sending, and they're not really sending the support to back it up. It's more of a token gesture. You know, we're looking at jets now, there was the Abrams tanks. Again, those are not enough to make a significant impact here. And you also have Germany, which I never got the chance to make this video and explain. There's a lot going on with Germany, which I haven't ever had a chance to talk about. And I probably won't go into detail about it here either, but there's a reason everything happened with the pipeline that we covered before in the USA, because Germany was moving closer to an alliance with, say, Russia, etc. I know it's a, a strange thing to say. You probably never heard this concept before, but that is what I was seeing. It was Germany was so reliant on the energy that they could have even broke away. They're the biggest economy in Europe. They had the power to break away. But I'll probably cover that on another video in the future because it's too deep for today. The other thing I found really strange was the comments by Lithuania and Estonia who want Ukraine to become a member. Now, this is why I think it's so strange. If you look at Lithuania, you look at Estonia and here's Latvia, they actually, well, Estonia, borders Russia. Lithuania is right on the doorstep as well. So for them to take such a stance here against Russia and for Ukraine, I thought was very interesting, especially as Lithuania borders on Belarus as well. So I do think that's a very unusual stance for them to take. But here's what I wanted to bring your attention to. This is NATO Article 5. 
Article 5 provides that if a NATO ally is the victim of an armed attack, each and every other member of the alliance will consider this act of violence as an armed attack against all members and will take this action it deems necessary to assist the ally attack. Now, you look at Ukraine then, who want to actually join NATO. Well, what would that mean? What would that mean for Ukraine? Because if it's already in a military conflict with Russia, then uh, what would that mean? One bullet is fired into Ukraine and it's deemed as an attack. One rocket goes in, it's deemed as a, an attack. Does that mean that NATO would then join in? Well, what would happen at that point? You see, these are all the questions that I'm sort of toying with at the moment because they could lead to, well, new events occurring, pretty dramatic events and pulling more countries into conflict here. We've already talked about and I covered the video of Operation Mobilize, which is a UK defence paper, which is to be an operation in the future. And that talks about stage one, the regular soldiers, stage two, the reservists and stage three, the civilians involving training of civilians. This is up to the age of around 40 years old. And if you're not familiar with that, I've done two videos on it. So you should definitely look into that because if the UK is going to do it, other countries are going to do it as well. So there is a lot going on at the moment here. And that is why it's so confusing and why a lot of people are in limbo at the moment and panicking and have a lot of anxiety around this because no one really knows what's going on. A lot of people are saying, you know, World War Three and everything else, whereas other people are saying, no, this is just a trade alliance and we're going to see more trade here, less trade there, more local currencies within BRICS, um, less trade with the US dollar. I mean, there's a lot going on. There really is. So here's a few numbers that I want to bring your attention to then. The dollar share of global reserves was 73% in 2001. It was down to 55% just 20 years later in 2021. And it was only 47% last year in 2022. So what's the takeaway? The dollar share slid 10 times faster than the average in the last two decades. It is no longer far-fetched to project a global dollar share of only 30% by the end of 2024. Over 70% of trade deals between Russia and China now use either the ruble or the yuan, according to the finance minister. Russia and India are also trading in rupees, that's their oil. Um, they also have SIPs, that's your cross-border interbank payment system. That's the Chinese version of SWIFT, basically. China and France, which is ironic, France and EU member, they've started doing trade in yuan for LNG. Russia and Bangladesh have just used yuan for the payment of a nuclear reactor. Russia and Bolivia are now trading in that currency. And we have at least 19 nations who have requested to join BRICS Plus now. And I thought this was fascinating, the numbers that have just come out from the IMF. And they said that the BRICS nation will contribute 32.1% to global growth compared to the G7, 29.9%. So BRICS are actually about to bypass the G7 in global growth. And the possible new members as of this year are Iran, Saudi, UAE, Turkey, Indonesia, and Mexico. Now that is not going to go down well at all with the USA for Mexico to join BRICS as well as Saudi Arabia. They're already very, 
very disappointed and Biden made a lot of threats to Saudi, which I think were pretty much empty threats. What else do we have? Well, Venezuela is ditching US dollars in economic transactions. The new Brazilian president is talking about de-dollarization as well. He said on Thursday that he criticized the US dollar's dominance in world trade and urged developing nations to find an alternative currency. Argentina is also paying for Chinese imports in yuan rather than dollars. And we now have another five Arab states plus Iran among 19 nations ready to join BRICS. Do you see where this is heading? And I already covered this article, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago on the walk and talk. And this was about the ASEAN countries moving towards de-dollarization. So that was 10 countries talked about how they can de-dollarize their trade. So ladies and gents, that is you up to date now then on what is happening with the de-dollarization NATO, the European meeting, the BRICS meeting and their trade among other countries. You now have the most up-to-date and latest information because this is hard to track actually. Um, it's even difficult for me. I have to track all of this stuff regularly just to stay up to date on what is happening because the speed now that this is advancing is even taken me by surprise. I didn't expect this to be happening to such a large scale by this point. But I think that a lot of these countries in BRICS and those wanting to join BRICS from what I've seen from a lot of the articles and listening to speeches of the leaders and, you know, reading the, the notes from these big meetings as well, like the ASEAN meeting, it seems as though they're very fearful of the USA weaponizing the dollar against them. So I don't think they're doing this because they want to or they think it's going to benefit them and, you know, to do trade in their own currencies. I don't, I don't really see that motivation of doing it for that reason. I see the motivation, which is a human motivation, which has always existed. And that is that fear is a lot more motivating to actually avoid pain, I guess we can say, than it is to gain pleasure. So I think that is what we're seeing, but on a, a mass scale between not just countries, but entire alliances of countries now. I think a lot of these countries are fearful of their trade with other countries like Russia and China. And if there is some sort of conflict that comes about, well, what would that mean for them? Could their dollar holdings be frozen? Um, could it be weaponized against them? That is what I think is really at the heart of all of this. And there isn't really an easy fix to that. They have seen the evidence for themselves with the Russian sanctions. So they are probably quite fearful of the same thing happening to them in the future if they don't play by the West's rules. So thank you so much for watching today. Really appreciate you as a subscriber here. Take care. God bless you. And I will see you tomorrow for the walk and talk.